Welcome to South Baltimore Now, sponsored by SouthBmore.com. We are back finally with another episode of the South Baltimore Now podcast. We have an exciting episode for you today. We are interviewing Russ Lorber. He's a South Baltimore resident. He recently became a wine importer. He has a company called Wide Roots. So we're going to learn all about that, learn about that journey. And also that journey is so interesting that there's going to be a documentary called Wine Hunter about his journey that's coming out. That's going to be previewing soon and hopefully available to a wide range of audiences soon. So very cool story about an innovative South Baltimore. Morgan. Well, Russ, thanks for joining us today. Sure. Thanks for having me, Kevin. So for starters, uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in South Baltimore. Divorce. <laughs> Life took a few unexpected turns, which which led me down this path of, of, of wine importing as well. But going through some changes and decided that I had always wanted to live in the city. And so as I was exploring different neighborhoods in the city, I found this neighborhood and this was the one that I, I decided to plant my feet in. It just, it, I really liked the vibe of it a lot. I liked the feeling of the people that I was meeting. It, it felt like a very warm place with people that were eager to get to know you and also people that looked out for, for one another. And I think at that point in my life, it was really an environment that it was important for me to find that. And it just, it felt like this neighborhood wrapped its arms around me at a time that I really needed that. And so I've, I've planted my feet here and I've made some friends and I really enjoy living in this neighborhood. Awesome. We're, we're, we're glad to have you here. And uh, so now you've ended up in the wine industry. So tell us, tell us about your journey ending up to where you are now. Yeah. So I was in the corporate world for 25 years and this, uh, this was all happening sort of at the same time that my, my marriage was ending and I had gotten to a point where my my prior employer had uh, had gone through some changes itself, and in the course of that, they offered me some money to go away. I didn't have to take it, and I had about a year to decide what I wanted to do, and I thought about it, and as that time approached, I decided that I couldn't stop working at this point, but also my goals had changed personally. And I was ready to kind of get out of that that world of, of of the corporate grind. And I thought I'd if I'm gonna do something, if I have to keep working for a while, then I want to enjoy what I'm doing. And so I started exploring this idea of getting into the wine business. I had the opportunity to do some wine tourism in the past. And what I learned was that winemakers are really special people. They're 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 farmers, uh, they're artists, and they're extremely passionate about what they do. And they're very generous in sharing that because they want you to understand what's really special about their their lands, their vines, and what they do. And I, I really like that aspect and, and wanted to find a way to do that more and found my way into this business. And so over the course of a Friday night, I think doing shots of chartreuse at idle hour, and thinking about all of this, I woke up on a Saturday morning and started looking, Googling around at wine importing. I found a book on how to import wine, of all things. I read the book from cover to cover, and I wrote a business plan in the course of a weekend and went to work on Monday and called my boss and told him I was resigning and taking the package that they offered me. So that's how I got into this. Very cool. Tell us a little bit about your company, Wide Roots. So we're based here in South Baltimore. We have our, our head office at 
uh, spaces down over in Stadium Square. Uh, I do a lot of the work out of my house here in South Baltimore, but I'm also out on the road considerably. So we have we represent a portfolio of 20 wine producing families, most of those from Italy, 18 of the 20 from Italy, two from Spain. Some of those I work directly with those families and others I purchase from other importers here stateside. So we have a wholesale presence. So we sell to restaurants and liquor stores, uh, retail stores in Maryland and DC with Virginia soon to be added. And I also have some out-of-state business that I work through distributors in Illinois, Delaware, and, and Florida. Uh, we have two reps who, who, uh, who work with me. They're representing us in, uh, in Maryland and D.C., and we're starting to build their uh, responsibilities as well. So they're starting to take on more with the national business and also the sourcing side of things. So we're a three-person team at the moment. Um, looking at eventually at adding some support on the warehousing and logistics side. And we warehouse down in Upper Marlboro, which is closer to D.C. Uh, so we are steadily growing and it's a matter of adding things at the right time and trying to manage costs as we continue to grow. Tell me a little bit about the warehousing. Do you have your own warehouse or is there kind of like a cooperative space down there? How does, how does that process So work? I'm renting space from another importer wholesaler. Uh, for it's uh, uh, called Harbor Wines is the company. Uh, it's uh, uh, Christina Tufts is is the name of the owner, and she is pretty much a one person show for what she does. I found her because I could not find climate controlled warehouse space when I got into this three years ago, and I was able to make a connection with her and rent space, and and that's been a really good arrangement for us because Christina and I can we can share container space, so I was able to bring over bigger containers and really take advantage of the better cost that that offered uh, very much earlier than I, than I expected. And so we're able to collaborate. We do deliveries for each other when it makes sense to do that. So it's a really good relationship that, that I have there. I've spent li very little time in my life talking about container space, but now I've had a conversation about container space two days in a row. I was talking with a guy yesterday who's in the, uh, Pizza oven business, so I've been talking a lot about shipping containers. Oh, it's right. It's great. It's, it's great to see all this manufacturing. So very cool, and uh, hopefully you've taken some fun trips to Europe to see wineries and taste some good wine. I have. You know, I I, I started. So I decided to start this in, in the fall of 2019, which was before there was even a pandemic on our radar. And my plan was, as, as I was resigning from my my previous employer, I was going to spend three weeks over in Italy. I was scheduled to take that trip on March 9th of 2020, and on March 8th, the whole country of Italy locked down, so I wasn't able to take that trip. I ended up postponing it, and I took my first, since I'd been in the business, I'd been to Italy before, but my first trip uh, in this business to Italy I took in June of 2021, which was after the pandemic. There were still some restrictions in place, but it was getting to be a better time to travel. And I was there for almost three weeks between some wine education that I was doing and then visiting some producers. And uh, I happened to, so Chris, happened to meet me there as well. And we did some filming of uh, some of the producers that I was going to visit and that content. 
made its way into our eventual video project. I've also been there a few other times. I've been to Sardinia for vacation and I've been to, uh, most recently went to the Northern Italian Alps and did a little bit of skiing, was able to catch up with a few producers while I was there. But I'm really, as we grow and we get more support, mainly on the operations side, I'm looking forward to eventually getting there for a month and really getting out to see a lot more than I've seen already. Well, that sounds really cool. Hopefully you've had some good pasta and pizza on these journeys. Always. Yeah. The, 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 the last trip in particular was, uh, was pretty ridiculous. So, you know, mountain Italian Alpine cuisine and spending time with people who spend a lot of time in those mountains working vines on steep slopes. So, you know, they, they, they can eat a lot. And so I too ate a lot and we, we definitely indulged in some nice food and uh, and some very good wine while I was there. So that's that's definitely one of the best parts. And you know, an Italian meal is not something you do in an hour or two. It is a three to four hour experience. And just be prepared to go slow, take what comes to you, and just enjoy every moment of that experience. Very cool. I've got some Italian heritage myself, and I know Northern Italy and Southern Italy in some ways might be two different countries. So I'm sure you've got to experience the. The two different cultures there. They are, and the, and the two islands are different from both of those. So, yeah, it's it's that's one of the fascinating things for me is there is, especially a country like Italy with, with 20 different areas that have their own customs and their own traditions. They've been geographically separated because of the mountains uh, that, that run through Italy. And so they're, it's, it's a country of 20 fiercely independent regions, and it's just exploring all of those traditions is is just amazingly fun it's hard to keep track of it all but it's if you like to learn it's 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 great very cool and i know ac milan just knocked napoli out of the champions league so i'm sure there's a big geopolitical geographical rivalry there where uh, the people in the north are, are bragging a little bit right now but it looks like napoli's gonna win the the league title so i guess they'll both get their bragging rights this year oh, but yeah. uh, hopefully everybody's uh, drinking some good wine and having some good food and uh Moving past it at some point. I'm sure they are. Gotcha. So what are your, some of your favorite types of wine? You know, it's uh, right now, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm drinking a lot of white wines. Um, and, I've, and it's not just the weather's getting nicer kind of thing. Like this is going back to even December or so. And it's it, I, what I find, at least with myself, and I know talking to others, both in the business and out of the business, you know, sometimes you just, you go in different directions with, with what you're looking for. Like I was into the heavy red wines at one point and, you know, before that I was into different things, but right now what I, there, there's a couple things that I'm, that I'm really jamming on that I'll, I'll try every time I get the opportunity. One is anything that it, whether it's red or white would be considered like truly aromatic. And so what I mean by that is there's some wines that like when you, you, and I'm not going to do the whole, well, I just did the whole swirling thing here on camera, but I, you know, I'm not going to do that whole thing, but there are just certain wines where the aromas jump out of the glass at you. And every time I taste those wines with somebody at a tasting, it gets their attention. And most of the time it's for good. It's not always for good, but it definitely gets your attention and and the truly aromatic wines have these really interesting floral uh, kind of kind of characters that they have to them. So 
we have, you know, an example of that is I have one of the classic Italian grapes, a Malvasia, um, that comes from the island of Sardinia. And it just has this flower aroma that jumps right out at you. And, you, you know, you, you pick up on some really interesting characters. And then there's another, what you'd call sort of an oddball one from central Italy, a red wine. And this was one of the first wines that I went out and looked for when, when I got into this business because a friend had brought one, a bottle back for me and it just blew my mind. Um, but it's made from a grape called Lacrima. Uh, which translates to tear in Italian. And and what you notice about it is when you hold the glass to your nose, you just get this big boom of fresh cut violets that comes at you. It's different from anything that that I've that I I've ever experienced in a glass of wine. That that's one of the amazingly fun things about this is just how many different things that there are out there. And that's not a particularly full red wine. It's more on the medium side. It's also very friendly with food. Like, you know, you don't have to overthink how you pair it. Um, the other thing that I, the, the other sort of areas where I'm going are like volcanic areas. And, and so uh, there's, and, and what I've learned about like, you know, the whole thing about wines made in volcanic areas is there's something about that volcanic soil. I don't know the science behind it. So you're just gonna have to press that button that says, believe me, but it makes those aromas just bump. And like, um, Mount Vesuvius wines in Campania, for example, there's some great things that come from that area uh, with, with some just beautiful, beautiful um, characters. And, and we carry uh, my, my most decorated producer in, in, in my book today is a producer uh, named Elena Fucci. She's down in Basilicata, which is the, the instep of the heel of the Italian boot, if you think of it that way. And she grows on the slopes of Monte Volterre, which is an inactive volcano. She makes a beautiful Alianico, uh, one, of it, one of Italy's most important red wine grapes. And it is just, it's like silky. It's different from any other Alianico that I've ever, that I've ever tried. Um, that can be a very tannic uh, grape variety. One of those things that like, it can put your mouth in a vice grip when you drink it, but her version isn't like that. She's able to make a much softer version that just has all of these great aromas that are, they're so complex and it's just a great wine to drink. And again, it's something about that volcanic soil that really lends itself to producing uh, wines like that. So I'm geeking out here a little bit, but that kind of tells you uh, where, where my head tends to be. Very cool. Well, as a pizza nerd myself, I know the uh, supposed magic of the San Marzano tomato, which comes from that Mount Vesuvius region. So I've certainly heard all about that. That's a little before, and I got to say, the San Marzano tomatoes are very good. So I, I certainly uh, do believe them on that front. And now, I guess something I've seen a lot in the wine world is you're seeing some more of these like spritzes. Obviously, people are drinking a lot of like Aperol spritzes these days and Frosé and things like that. I guess some of these trends, are they more so American things or is it over there as well? And uh, do, do some of your wines kind of fit in with some of these kind of more spritzer type drinks? Uh, yeah, if you go to Italy, spritzes are definitely a thing. You know, the Aperol spritz is the is is the classic one, and even like with other other spirits, you can get that recommendation. Um, in Spain, as an example, with vermouth, and and we're we're getting ready to launch a vermouth project. We are we did get licensed for spirits last year, but I've got a vermouth project that we're cooking on that I'm I'm going to be really excited to talk more about in the future. But like a vermouth and soda water combination is is kind of a nice thing 
Um, with the rosé, you know, you mentioned the rosé thing. I would definitely say that's that is more of a local thing, or at least here in the U.S. in 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 Italy, you wouldn't tend to see to see something like that as, as much. Um, but that the, they'd be you know drinking more of kind of a straight up rosé, uh, in fact. But yeah, you see you see the spritzes with the sparkling wine, um, the proseccos and things like that. So there's there's definitely a, an an interesting spirits culture in Italy too. And you think of a category like Amaro, for example, which just is, uh, to me is really fascinating. It's maybe a little bit newer to us because the concept of those bitter flavors that you get in an Amaro, which is, is just something that you experience more in Italy and here in the U S we're maybe not used to those flavor profiles as much, but I think Amaro is a really neat category on the spirit side that, if you get the chance to try a couple, uh, it's 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 one of those things that can grow on you. One of my neighbors had Amaro recently, and I asked, well, what's Amaro? He's like, I don't know. You just have to try it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, so I certainly uh, understand what you're saying there. Um, where can people find some of your wines locally? What type of liquor stores or restaurants or places can they sample what you're selling? Yeah, so um, maybe start here in the neighborhood. Uh, I, Idle Hour was one of the first places that I do I did business with, and that's where the whole concept of this thing got cooked up, if you will. So uh, we do sell some bottles there on the shelf for either consumption there or for carry, and we do some periodic tastings as well uh, at, at Idle Hour. Over at Limoncello, we have a few bottles placed on the on the wine list there. I think the one that was moving. Uh, quite well was the the Fiano di Avellino, the Companion white wine uh, that we that we placed there. But I have a number of placements at at Limoncello. We have uh, we 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 have a couple by the glass pours at um, Shoddy's and at Captain Larry's. So some hopefully familiar locations for people here in the neighborhood. Um, Sobo Cafe pours our Prosecco, uh, which I think is, is one of the better Proseccos coming out of Italy. And then um, all around, you know, in Baltimore, we've got a number of placements. Wine Source is a favorite store up in Hamden of people. Uh, we're, we're picking up some placements. We're about to pick up a placement at Chingale and um, just place some, some wines over at Bin 604. We do quite a bit of business with Vino Wine Bar over in Fells Point. Um, they've been a great account and a great partner for us. And um, I'm trying to think of other places, but we have a number of a, a number of locations in the city and around the city where we're doing business. And uh, you can get a list of those locations on our, on our website. There's a, a link under our wines called Find Our Wines, and you can find all the places where we're listed in uh, in Maryland and D.C. Well, it sounds like everyone's got a good itinerary now to uh, to drink some good wine. And uh, what would you say the state of the wine industry is right now? I know with beer, I guess beer sticking a hit a little bit with all the hard seltzers and hard iced teas. And even too, I think kind of those domestic light beers are, have now been competing with craft beers for a while. So what would you say the state of the wine industry is at this moment? It's, it's very similar to beer at this point. And I think in beer, even my understanding is even craft beer as a whole has, has slowed as a category, which means it's not growing at double digits anymore. Um, but still, still growing as a share of that overall. Definitely, spirits are taking more of a hit 
and or are t- they're taking a bite out of the the beer and the wine business and uh seltzers the the you know things like that are are, are definitely eating into the share there there's a concern about uh, with you know the recent legalization of cannabis for recreational use that's been something on the wine industry's radar for a long time uh, i i think you know the, the the wine industry as a whole is falling over itself right now to figure out because it it's basically flat growth and if you look underneath that flat growth what's really happening is like your sort of supermarket table wine level wines are declining in volume and share and then and i think people were people were probably drinking about the same amount of wine but they're probably drinking a little bit better if you will like they're they're maybe going for for some things that are a little bit better quality or a little bit more interesting uh, that that cost a little bit more the wine industry as a whole though is falling over itself right now trying to figure out why millennials aren't drinking more wine and it's, I mean, right now it's the, the baby boomer generation and, um, you know, my generation, uh, generation X is, is kind of, I mean, they're in that sort of wine consumption category, but it, it's not really crossing over to, um, to millennial generation and, and, and generation Z. One, one of my own hypotheses about that is just that a lot of it is just how people talk about wine. And I, I think it's one of these things, it's like, ooh, it's a wine tasting. And it's like, sounds really elite and sort of exclusive. And, you know, I don't want to not look like I know what I'm talking about. So I'll just kind of stay away from it. And I, I, you know, one approach that, I mean, first of all, like, and if you ever met um, Stacy and Vinny from my team, you, you know, we all kind of have this similar you know, we carry ourselves very individually, but like none of us are too full of ourselves. And I mean, we, 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 we kind of make fun of the, some of the perceptions that, that people have around that. There are a lot of people in the wine world that are trying to impress themselves and we're not, we are not those people, you know, we, we, it's like for us, wine is about celebrating it's about special experiences that we have with our families and friends. And it's about culture. And it's, it's, it's about transporting yourself to a, a beach in Italy and sipping a white wine by the sea with a plate of, of fried seafood with a view that is just incredible. And that's like, it's that experience and that culture and the passion of the family that, that we really care about. And that's the story that we try to tell. I mean, we're not going to, teach people to taste characters in their wine, like fresh open tennis ball can or baked gooseberries or anything like that. Like things that people have never tasted before that they wouldn't recognize in a glass of wine. But it's to us, it's more about, do you like that wine that's in your glass? And do you like the story that's, that's behind it? And so, and, and we're really trying to connect um, on, on a very personal level to try to get people to try things that they haven't tried before. And I don't know if I'm right about all of this. I do know in my own experience that these, this sort of approach is something that kind of resonates with people is, is that when you break down that sort of barrier of this is an exclusive thing that I don't understand that people can, can really get into it. And hopefully the wine business as a whole can, you know, figure out what's what how we can 
you, you know, how we can kind of move this whole category forward, just like the craft beer brewers did for a very long time, uh, where they, they, they raised awareness of that category to a, a, a great success. Well, I'm on my way over. You just sold me. I, uh, I need to get taken away to that Italian beach with one of your bottles of wine. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And I don't think there's anything I've ever been more wrong about than the rise of hard seltzers. My, my comment was, who's too lazy to make themselves a vodka seltzer? But boy, <laughs> boy, boy was I wrong on that one. So, uh, But I guess it's the new reality and everyone's dealing with it. And I, I can see why you're in sales. You certainly uh, send a great message about, about those wines. And um, also coming up for you, you are the subject and your, you and your company wide roots are the subject of a new documentary called, called wine hunter. So tell me how that came to be and tell me a little bit about the documentary. Uh, I, I mentioned Chris earlier, Chris Georgie. Um, so I, I connected with Chris during the, the early stages of the pandemic back in 2000. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to get this company off of the ground. I just decided to leave my employer and then this pandemic hit and it, it changed everything. And so I, I had to see what I could do here from, from my row house in South Baltimore. And one of those things was learning how to use Instagram. <laughs> so I'm a pretty, pretty, I guess I'm a newcomer to the, to the Instagram world. But through Instagram, I connected with a number of, of people uh, that have become friends and some of whom I've just recently met in person for the first time. But I met Krissa back in, I think it was the summer of 2000 or 2020, and I, I came across her account and I saw she was making this documentary about the wines of Crete. And I thought, that's really fascinating because I, I hadn't been to Crete. I've been to Greece before and I really like Greek wines as well. And I saw, I'm like, how fascinating is this? And then I, you know, looked at her profile and I saw that she was from Baltimore and, and Hamden. And so she and I connected through Instagram and got to know each other over the course of about nine months or so. And as I, I had this opportunity to take a trip to, uh, to Italy in June of, of 2021. And, and one, so maybe step back a second. One of the things that kind of that got me into the wine importing business, there's a book uh, by an importer out in California. His name is Kermit Lynch. She's very successful. Probably would be, if I ever aspired to be great name, by the yeah, way, it is a great name. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one that you don't forget if you're in the business uh, um, but he he wrote a book back in the 80s called, I think it was called On the Wine Trail in France and something to that effect. And it was all about his experience in traveling across France and discovering some of these, these really fascinating estate-driven wines that weren't blended together by somebody who was buying juice and just blending it and bottling it. But it was like, really, why is this, why is this hillside over here different from this other one? So to the other side, even though they're making the same grape. And, and he really was, was able to change the wine business as a result of that. Um, but anyway, his book kind of inspired me. And I thought, you know, what I would really would love to do would be a sort of a similar idea in Italy, but a video version of it. And so Chris and I kicked that idea around and then she came back to me and said, what I really want to do is make, a film about you getting into the business because I think your story is is really fascinating. And so she 
so she and I talked about it. We came up with an idea and then she was able to film with me in, in Italy back in June of 2021. We, we did some subsequent filming here in, uh, with a few of our customers, people that we worked with doing some tastings and things like that. And it evolved into this story of me getting into the business, which touches on a lot of the points that, that you and I have discussed um, but you know, you get to meet some of the players in, in this story. Like you'll meet Brendan from idle hour, for example, and his role in instigating this whole thing taking place. Um, you, you'll see some familiar locations for sure, uh, where we, where we, we, we did some filming and, uh, it's, you know, I, I, I think personally, Krissa did, I, I would say a really nice job in taking this really extensive set of footage that we filmed without really a clear plot in mind. Um, she was able to take things from parts of all of the filming that we did and stitch it together into, into a cohesive narrative. And I like from, from my own perspective, I, I was, I think she did a great job of telling my story and I, you know, I, I can't wait for people to see some of the footage of, of walking through vineyards and meeting the winemakers and the people that I have, you know, I don't just do business with, but like in some cases I'm kind of an adopted family member and you'll get to meet some of those people as, as well. And just see that it's like, look, this is, you'll see some of the tough parts of the business too. I mean, this is, this is one of those things. It's like people can look at it and say, wow, that sounds really really uh like an awesome thing and 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 don't and it is uh but it's also extremely tough and extremely competitive and a, a lot of hard work and and those things sort of and it's like i'm not going to get rich doing this but that's not my goal either um but i am going to be able to take some nice trips uh, as, as a result i'll be able to uh, have spend time with people that i really enjoy spending time with and and you know, making these, these fantastic connections with winemakers. And so I'm, I, you know, every day think I'm blessed to be able to, to, to do this. And I, I really think that Chris just does a nice job of capturing all of this in the video. I know you said earlier, you guys are hoping to get it on some bigger platforms, maybe Amazon or, or something so that a wider range of people can see it. That's right. And, and Chris's first film, uh, the documentary on the wines of Crete, it's called on on the wine dark sea it is streaming right now on uh, on amazon prime video so uh, she's working with an agent and their uh, their plan is to get it placed there and so hopefully we'll be able to tell everybody once we've got somewhere for them to go see it any other areas of the wine industry you're looking to get into in the future whether it's anything retail or a wine bar or any kind of festival is there any way you're looking to expand in the future to kind of raise your visibility it's it's definitely something that we've we've thought about and we've we've looked into with the 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 legal sort of constraints that the the business has which the the, the big one is is almost everywhere you know you you you, you have to decide whether you're going going to be a, di a distributor or a retailer or a producer and so and the laws are in place to keep you from uh from crossing the boundaries there too much, which is a whole other uh, thing that, that I'm not going to go off on at this point. But um, th th there are some places that are a little bit more favorable to that. Like DC is an example is one where you have some opportunity to go direct to consumer. 
mainly the way we're approaching that is working through partners. Like I have a few people that we've talked with wine clubs about where we may, we may do some wine of the month type clubs. And, and I think that would be something for me. You know, I had thought about getting into retail before I thought about being an importer distributor. And I, it's, it was an interesting idea, but I, I think with my, my passion really being on the side of, of, of the relationships with the winemakers that we represent, I'm probably where I'm supposed to be right now, but I will definitely be looking for outlets like uh, working with a partner where we can, we can form a club and, you know, help people with, help people really get to know these wines, because I think it's a lot of what we carry. It's not going to be the first thing that you go looking for, but there are things that when you get the, the chance to taste them, and you see the price that you pay relative to how much you like it is it's definitely that you know they they've resonated very well with people and so every chance we have and and, and I do a lot of consumer tastings today with uh, the partners that we work with we've done some dinners with Limoncello in the past uh, as an example we do the tastings with Idlewild and it's really tasting and experiencing is is believing so every and, and, and both Stacy and Vinny do this as well with their accounts. And so we are out on the front lines of this thing, trying to get more people exposed to these wines and anything that we can do to do that is, is that's, you know, we're rolling up our sleeves and doing that as much as we can. Awesome. Very cool. So great hearing your story, Russ. He's a uh, wine importer. He's hopefully going to be a movie star. He's a South Baltimore guy and he loves to drink beers at local bars. So we, we love hearing all about it, Russ. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to come and tell my story here. Everyone's going to be ready to hit happy hour after hearing this. So thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we can't wait to see the documentary and uh, can't wait to try some of your wines. Sounds great, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks.